eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. It will not be a victory Monday edition of One Giant Step. I guess it's a good thing that we've had so little of these, but... I'm quite agitated. I'm sure Paul is too. It's been a long sun. We're doing this on a Sunday night, which means you might get real raw me and Paul off a Giants and Lions loss at cold, windy MetLife. We haven't had time to decompress sleep and talk about things on a Monday. So here we go. Paul Dettino with me, Sean Morris here on One Giant Step. Paul, good evening, I'm going to say here on a Sunday evening. How are you? Yes. Hello, Sean. It was uh, incredibly windy and cold and nippy out there at the Meadowlands. But I think ultimately we will dissect this thing over the course of the next half hour. Yes, but when push comes to shove, the Giants got beaten up in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And that, yeah. above everything else, is the bottom line. And the only other time this year where I really felt strongly that way was in Seattle. And yeah. I even thought they held up better against Dallas on the trenches than they did against Seattle. And, oh, by the way, they also lost the turnover battle and committed a host of uh, penalties, eight to be exact. Yep, That's a team that deserved to lose. Okay, so let me give a little precursor or tease of what's going to come if you're listening to this podcast because we've had a lot of high-fiving and celebrating these wins, and we've obviously done a couple of these lost podcasts as well, but I think this one's a little more in-depth. Number one, the injuries, which we are going to get to because that's kind of a separate conversation. And if you listen to the Giants postgame show on the on the fan, I think Paul actually put it right, and we're going to get into this. Just when you think the Giants are actually get healthier, they might have gotten hit with some of the worst injuries and worst timing of injuries they could have had. We will talk about big picture stuff about the three division games coming up. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys rolled right along here, missed opportunity with the Eagles not winning that game. The Commanders look elite. Those games coming up, we will get to the big picture after this loss as well. The fact of the matter is, Let's start right here. The Giants are not eight and two. The Giants, with the bye sprinkled in about five weeks ago, I think a lot of fans looked and said, geez, could this team go on a four and oh run here? Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, Detroit. And in the end, it's a two and two run 
which now looking back, thank goodness for the stop one yard short versus Jacksonville, because this team in theory could have lost three of these four games. But as far as it pertains to Detroit, because that's what we're here to break down. Paul, you're right. Number one, you get to the stadium today and you guys roll over at the pregame show. The wind was such an enormous factor. Now we knew it was going to be cold weather. We didn't necessarily know the wind gusts were what they were going to be when we did our preview podcast and talking about what the Giants offense had to do. Um, that being said, Okay, wind, great. Going to be tough to throw. Falls right into the Giants' plans. Well, not so fast. Detroit had the best recipe for slowing down Saquon Barkley, and they basically said, we are going to do everything we can to make sure Saquon gets nothing, and they whooped the Giants' asses up front. Now, Dexter Lawrence had a few plays. The Giants, inevitably, on some of these third downs, still could not get home. You know, a play, play a second short. Jared Goff makes the plays. What it came down to, too, offensively, Shane Lemieux starts, didn't look prepared to start a game. Azudu ends up coming in there. They end up getting Feliciano banged up. Nick Gates comes in. He has a bit of a false start because his communication's all over the place. Tyree Phillips gets hurt. That leads to next man up at right tackle. It's Evan Neal, who he's been out of sync. So suddenly, the Giants, who had this deep offensive line, and now it wasn't a total disaster from a blocking standpoint, but run blocking, boy, you saw the communication wasn't there, Paul. There's no doubt about that, Sean. And by the time they got it to the second half, think about it, really. And you outlined it moments ago. They had three-fifths of their offensive line changed out during the course of the afternoon. Yeah, And and that's a problem. Uh, And not only because those are changes, but think about the rust. Obviously, Matthew Parrott was rusty. Obviously, Nick Gates, now playing center for the first time this season, was rusty. And, and to be frank with you, Shane LeBue was incredibly rusty from the very first snap. Yeah. So, you know, this this was something they were going to try to have to work through. I thought it showed up more in the run game than it did the pass protection, to be I frank. Agree. I agree. And, I and that agree. may be somewhat of a positive because I don't think Daniel Jones, even though he got hit 10 times in this game and did take two sacks, I don't think he took quite the battering that one might expect when you have to replace three-fifths of your offensive line on the fly. Yeah, and it was a weird game from the offense from that standpoint. And and we know, Paul, I've been kicking and screaming to score 30. I've been kicking and screaming to throw the ball more. Uh, yeah. and, and I know I inevitably have already had the idiot fans talk to me or friends talk to me about you know Daniel Jones. We'll get to that separately. Look, here's the truth, though. Nick Gates, long-term, I think probably is a better center than John Feliciano. Matt Parrott? I think probably long-term, if you had to pick him or Tyree Phillips, I'd rather have him. Uh, and I'd rather have Azudu over Shane Lemieux, I think, based on what I saw. But the point is, when it comes to communication and the run-blocking scheme, when you change all those out at once, I mean, gelling and communication is a huge thing, and the Giants didn't have that. But, Paul, I thought the first half of this game, first of all, having the Lions come down, score late in the half, absolutely crushed them. Clearly, yes. Graham, you know, between the wind and having the IVs and not being healthy, the extra points were deflating, and I understand all that. But it was such a weird game offensively because it did not feel like the Lions were 11 points better at the half or 18 points better, but they were just executing down the stretch. And I keep coming back to the penalties, Paul. This was as undisciplined and as unraveling I saw with the Giants with penalties, more so in the first half than the second half. I thought every time they had a penalty, it felt like it was two steps forward and then five steps backward, and they were drive killers. At least it felt that way. Now, you might have something different on paper, but it felt like the penalties completely collapsed the Giants' offense in the first half. Well, you know, they had taken the lead, and then the Lions came back and grabbed a 10-6 to advantage, and that's with about four and a half minutes left in the second quarter. 
Now, the Giants are going to get the ball back, and I'm saying to myself, okay, it's time for that run game to get going. It's time for these guys to start showing what they believe they can do and start getting a little bit of a grip on this game. Because remember, what do I always tell you, Sean? Parcells always said to us, you want to control the narrative and the tempo of how the game is going to be played. Right. And that's what I kept waiting for the Giants to do. And what happens? On that kickoff with four and a half minutes to go, McLeod gets called for an illegal block, I mean, and they're forced to start at their own six-yard line with the wind whipping like crazy. And consequently, on that tiny drive, they only get it out to the 43. They're forced to punt. Lions get it with two minutes to go, and they go on a touchdown drive, which was like a gut punch to the yeah. Giants to make it 17-6. Knowing, by the way, and then the Giants got the ball back and there really wasn't much to do with what they had. Right. Knowing that the Lions are going to get the ball to start the third quarter and basically for all practical purposes, they executed the perfect double dip because they come out to start the third quarter and go immediately on a touchdown drive. And I'm going to tell you right now, at 24-6, to with the wind kicking like it was, even though Daniel Jones threw the ball pretty darn well today, I did not think the Giants were going to be able to come back from that deficit.